Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Long before the franchise of the Cleveland Browns in the NFL, there was an NFL franchise called the Cleveland Bulldogs. They were pretty good. They lasted a short time, but they have a fascinating story in football history, as well as a title that we're going to talk about here in just a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of pigskindispatch.com. Welcome once again to the pig pen, your portal to positive football history. And we have some great football history we're going to talk about today. We're going back into some more early pro football teams, an early NFL team, as a matter of fact. And uh, it goes in line with our series we've been doing on the Canton Bulldogs. Uh, before we get into that, though, let's make sure that you know how to reach us on Twitter. We are at Pigskin Dispatch. And on Facebook, we have the Pigskin Dispatch channel. Uh, and also, you can find us at Pigskin Dispatch, two separate words on Facebook. Uh, make sure you find us on LinkedIn, at Darren Hayes. Hit me up on DMs on any of those. We'll write back to you. Or you can email us at pigskindispatch at gmail.com. Give us your comments, your criticisms, your likes and dislikes. We'll help make sure we get in contact back with you and uh, always taking some great suggestions to improve our site and our podcast. Now let's get into your story. The Canton Bulldogs were a dynasty in the early NFL. As we have learned from our Canton Bulldogs coverage, uh, we have five parts out so far on Canton Bulldogs history. You can find a link to that on Pigskin Dispatch for this Cleveland Bulldogs episode. The, the Canton 11 were the top team in the NFL for the seasons of 1922 and 1923. They had an unbeaten streak, marred only by a few ties extending all the way back to 1921. With this in mind, we look back in history at why in the world was there not a Canton Bulldogs team listed for the 1924 NFL season? You know, they just won two straight championships and then they disappeared? The champs were no more? Well, not exactly. It was more of a similar case to the 1945 Cleveland Rams, when the Rams won the title and then moved to Los Angeles. However, Canton's story has a little bit of a bit different twist than that of the Rams. Apparently, the owner of the rival Cleveland Indians pro football team, a Cleveland area jeweler named Sam Deutsch, entered into an agreement on August 4, 1924 to buy the Canton Bulldogs franchise, players, equipment, yeah, the whole kit and caboodle. On August 3, 1924, Deutsch paid $2,500 to the Canton Bulldogs, a team that had lost thirteen dollars in 1923, quite a sum of money back then. The sale was a win for both teams, as Canton's owners had great teams with good attendance at the games, but were struggling to turn a profit. Cleveland's Indians franchise, on the other hand, had great cash flow, but lacked the fire and star power to pack the stadium. 
NFL. The Cleveland Indians football team was formed by Deutsch in July 8th of 1923, the year prior, when the NFL approved the franchise. For the 1923 season, the Indians had won just three games and finished fifth in the league out of 20 teams with a 3-1-3 record. Not bad for a first-year team, but for an aggressive owner like Deutsch, it simply was not good enough. So before that 1924 season started, Deutsch, with his new acquisition of Canton, named his coach as Canton's former coach, Guy Chamberlain, the stud star player from the University of Nebraska, who through his strategy and coaching, he was the game changer that led the Bulldogs to their 1922 and 1923 NFL championships in Canton. If you go back in our Canton logs, you see that in 1919, uh, the year before the APFA NFL was formed, Guy Chamberlain's on the team. They're the best team in Ohio. He leaves and goes to Decatur. They're not so good in 1920. Not so good in 1921. Comes back in 22, and they win those championships. But Deutsch demanded that some of the core players from his former Indians team still would be in the lineup, especially quarterback Hogue Workman, an All-American from nearby Ohio State. Uh, quite a popular player there from coming from Ohio State with the Buckeyes and playing in Cleveland. Chamberlain obliged his new boss and carefully managed to merge the two former rival teams into a well-oiled unit. The squad would play their home games at Dunn Field, also known as League Park, uh, by today's standards. Now, the Cleveland Bulldogs were a powerhouse, as the combined rosters of the Indians and Bulldogs were what, in essence, was an all-star team of the two clubs. Deutsch, in a brilliant marketing scheme, even merged the names of the clubs as he promoted them as the Cleveland Bulldogs. That didn't alienate anybody. The Cleveland name kept the Cleveland fans coming. The Bulldog name might draw some of the folks from Canton up to watch the Bulldogs and their former players play up in Cleveland at Dunfield. The season started rough, though, with heavy rain proof to have their first scheduled opponent, the Columbus Panhandles, decide not to play because of the weather was so poor despite the desires of the Bulldogs to play the game. What never did get played. The team continued in the Bulldog, Canton Bulldogs unbeaten streak by dispatching the Chicago Bears in their opening by the score of 16-14 to and then tying the Frankfurt Yellow Jackets 3-3 in the same weekend. Hogue Workman suffered a mild ankle injury that slowed him down a tad uh, in that uh, Frankfurt game, but he fought through it. And then he, they rattled off a string of victories over the likes of the Akron Pros twice, Rochester Jeffersons, and the Dayton Triangles. Well, that first Akron game was won 29-14 with a hobbled workman tossing touchdown passes to Wolcott Roberts and Dave Noble in the second quarter as the Bulldogs romped. The game had a bit of a controversy, though, as Cleveland players had a beef with the pro player named Harry Newman. Newman, who had been released by the Bulldogs just a week earlier, was alleged to be stealing Cleveland's signals throughout the contest. Well, imagine that. The Dogs had a bye scheduled that next week, and this allowed Workman and some of the others that were injured to mend their wounds. On the 19th of October, the Bulldogs trounced the visiting Detroit Tigers 46-6 in an exhibition game. The Tigers were not an NFL franchise, thus it was deemed to be exhibition. In a contest, fullback Ben Jones scored four touchdowns. Player coach Chamberlain even got in the action as he hauled in a Roberts pass for a 30-yard touchdown to aid his team in scoring as well. The following games were a 59-0 dismantling of Rochester, then a 35-0 blanking of the Dayton Triangles 11. Next up was a 20-7 victory for the Bulldogs 
before Game 2 with the Akron Pros. The Bulldogs now sat with a 6-0-1 record on the year. It was on November 16th, though, riding a 31-game unbeaten streak dating back to the Canton Bulldogs back in 1921 that they were finally defeated on the gridiron. It was the second meeting with the Frankfurt Yellow Jackets that ended the streak as the Jackets knocked off the Dogs 12-7 in Cleveland. Now, Elliott ran for four scores in the next game played on Thanksgiving Day against the Milwaukee Badgers, romping uh, with a 53-10 victory at home in Cleveland. One game remained on the 1924 schedule, and that was one against the tough Bisons team in Buffalo. Victory in that game would surely guarantee the Bulldogs a championship. However, plans changed when Buffalo received a late fall blizzard, which canceled the game. Imagine that, a blizzard in Buffalo. The version of the 1924 Bulldogs ended the season with a 7-1-1 APFA, and I'm sorry, with an NFL record. The NFL season had officially concluded, although the Bulldogs still planned to play some postseason exhibition games in December to earn some extra cash. One game was with a very good team, one they played at the beginning of the year, the Chicago Bears, along with a trip to Workman's hometown, Huntington, West Virginia, to play a pro franchise there as well. Well, even though the NFL title was decided because of the league's deadline being met, the Bears wanted to make a statement anyway. On December 7th, the Bears manhandled the Bulldogs 23 to nothing before a crowd estimated at 18,000. That definitely brought some payroll in for both teams. All appearances were that the Bulldogs would have the NFL title, but not so fast, said the always trying to find an angle for his team to be champs, George Hallis. He'd done it before in other years. Hallis claimed that his Chicago Bears were champions, claiming the Bulldogs had agreed to make the second meeting in the title, uh, the title decider. You know, to, to sell the thought even further, Hallis had a photograph, which we have on Pigskin Dispatch, of the team taking with a banner that read World Champions 1924 with the Chicago Bears Football Club scoreboard in the background. That's a pretty bold move there. So you take a look at that picture, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. A league ruling by Commissioner Joe Carr declared Cleveland as the official champions due to the title being decided by league play in the scheduled time frame, which I believe that season ended December 1st. That roster, in addition to the players mentioned earlier, included stars like Hunk Anderson, Link Lyman, Dick Wolf, Doc Elliott, and Cap Edwards, amongst others. Deutsch must have had his fill with owning a football team because on May 20, 1925, he sold the Cleveland team to a wholesale meat company owner named Herb Brandt. The new Cleveland team merged players who re-signed with reinforcements from the college ranks, but a few of the Bulldogs returned back to Canton, wanting to play as an independent team. The NFL records officially list two Bulldogs franchises that season, the Cleveland version going 5-8-1 and and the Canton one going 4-4. And we'll talk more about that Canton squad next time, uh, but 1925 marked the end of the line for the Cleveland Bulldogs when they finished with 5-8-1, but they did win that championship in 1924. So just some great football history. Hope you enjoyed uh, listening to this great story as we go through some of these early pro football teams. And uh, love to have you come and listen to some more of them. We have almost all of the early NFL teams covered now 
by podcasts, some with expert guests and authors that have wrote uh, quite a bit on there and are very knowledgeable on these teams. So make sure you check those out. We're going to have a great book coming out for you real soon with the, the original 14 APFA teams, uh, kind of a different, uh, I'm going to call it sort of an ultra ebook uh, filled with podcasts and great writing uh, from some of our our ourself here at Pixie and Dispatch and some of our friends Sports History Network as well as some other experts out there. So hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you'll tune in again next time for the Pigskin Dispatch podcast. Till then, have a great gridiron day. Peeking up at the clock, the time's running down. We're going to go into victory formation, take a knee, and let this baby run out. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you back tomorrow for the next podcast. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, football fans. This is Ross, the host of the Pigskin Tales podcast. I just need a few moments of your time to talk about the host of the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, Darren Hayes. He's expanded the pig pen to search out information on the history of all team sports. It's a quest to find out about the competitors, teams, and places chronicled throughout athletic history through the uniforms and gear the participants used and wore. And he is taking you, the listener, with him on this educational journey to preserve sports history on the Sports Jersey Dispatch, found here on the Sports History Network. His newest podcast, called Jersey Dispatch, is all based on the jerseys that all the greats used to wear. You can find Darren Hayes and the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, as well as Jersey Dispatch, on your favorite podcast provider multiple times each week. So remember that, Darren Hayes, the host of the Pigskin Dispatch and Jersey Dispatch podcasts. It's found right here on the Sports History Network.